Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. People, how do they come out, come up with these experiments? Like perfect idea. Let's Let's test knocking things over. Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma, I'm a third year journalism student who's teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you guys all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. So this week's Shoot Your Shot shout out goes to Jason. Yes, Jason sent us a message and told us he loved our episode about quitting your job on great terms. He said, I had signed a contract for an exciting new position and avoided telling my boss for three days because I was so nervous. I didn't know how to bring it up. I related so much to Emma's awkwardness and I took her advice of writing a physical letter to hand to my boss as a bit of a segue to start the conversation and it couldn't have gone better. I left on great terms. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much, Jason, for sending us your success story. We're so happy we could ease some of your anxiety when you're resigning. Um, And if you're out there and you've had some kind of success that we've helped you with, um, let us know. Please send us a DM, write us an email, uh, reach out however you can. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we do a little happy dance every time. Now, speaking of happy dances, this will make you happy. We are going to do an episode on psychology hacks that you can use in your job search. So we've gone through and found some actual psychological studies that have been scientifically proven to increase, what would you say it increases? Productivity, success. Well, this is just evidence in psychology from all different areas of research. So social psychology, psychology. You know, we've got some stuff about cognitive psychology, all these different areas that you can apply to your job search. And for me, I mean, this is bringing back, you know, my my undergrad degree. Yeah, um, this is Sarah's in psychology. Mm. Yeah, and I'm here to honors degree. I'm here to make these studies apply practically and give examples. I've actually used a few of these, so I'm excited to talk about this. All right. Yeah. And some of these are really interesting. I tried to find stuff that you haven't necessarily heard of before. So even if um, not all of them are relevant for you to apply, hopefully they're pretty fascinating. It's like the world of psychology is, is a, a varied world. Mm. All right. Let's get into it. We have study number one, your clothes matter. 
Yeah, this is fascinating. Um, so this is a 2012 study by Adam and Galinsky, and they coined the term enclothed cognition, um, which has now grown to be um, you know, an area of research. So essentially what they did is they set up two different experiments. So in the first one, um, they showed that wearing a lab coat improved your performance on an attention task compared to people who didn't wear a lab coat. So they just wore their casual clothes that they came in on. So interesting, right? Mm, um, hilarious. And they, they, then, they then kind of looked further into it and they did um, some more experiments. And basically what they did was they invited people in um, to participate and they were randomly allocated to one of three different categories. So um, in the first category, they had to put on like a white coat, but they were told it was a doctor's coat. And then they did the task. In the second category, they put on a white coat, but they were told it was a painter's coat. In the third category, they walked past um, a coat and they were told it was a doctor's coat hanging on the wall. Um, And then I think there was some controls as well where they didn't really wear anything. Um, So this is literally the same white jacket that these people are putting on, but they were told either it was from a painter or from a doctor. The people who were told that it belonged to a doctor or a doctor's coat uh, performed better on the attention task. I find that so, so it's insane, but also so believable. Like, <laughs> of course it does. You're channeling doctor energy. Like, I don't. Yeah, it makes so exactly much sense. Right. You're getting the doctor energy. You're like, oh, look at me. I'm a doctor. I'm yeah. wearing a doctor's coat. Um, so research suggests. Um, that it depends on not only the clothes but also the symbolic meaning um, and the physical experience of actually wearing the clothes and it can change your performance in an actual task. So I think they were trying to pick up mistakes um, in in a thing and they picked up more mistakes when they were wearing the doctor's coat. I think because obviously a doctor's, you know, well known for prestigious, academic, hardworking, they've studied for 50 years. As opposed to a painter, which they're thinking more creatively, right? So you could potentially do it the other way and see if they were more creative. And I'm sure there's been research out there that's done that. So This is funny because um, not just in the lab coat, but our mum is a prime example that she puts on her joggers when she needs to get things done. (laughs) She'll be like, oh, like Christmas morning. Oh, there's so much to do. Just oh, where are my joggers? Goes and puts them on, even if she's in pajamas up top. Just sprint, just <laughs> she and she says it's a mental thing. She says when she yeah. puts them on, she's ready to go. She zips around, gets the housework done. <laughs> Literally any given day, like she could be in a nice summer dress in summer, puts, like hanging out. Yeah. Put on the joggers, and it looks. Horrific, you can't get any work done. You'll in your laugh thongs. at her. But I mean, it has it has merit. Like putting on shoes, it's like what this study was saying about not just the. Um, yeah, it's that it's not just the clothes, but it's what that symbolizes, which makes sense because you joggers symbolize, you know, being active, on the go, let's go, time to move. So like yeah. it makes sense. Now, are we saying to wear a lab coat everywhere? No. But perhaps you should wear you could channel this psychological study by wearing clothes to your interview that either fit the job you're going for or make you feel competent and confident. I mean, bit of a given. We like to dress you know, in confidently for our interviews. It goes back to what I was saying about like buy an outfit that you feel really amazing in. Mm. Make sure that you've actually got something rather than digging out, you know, a blazer that you hate that doesn't really fit you or that's itchy or whatever. You're looking in the mirror being like, I am a badass. I feel good, look good, let's go. 
And if you if you were going for a journalism interview and you bought like an outfit that you were like, I look like a journalist yeah. right now, you know, yeah. that you'd be you'd be channeling that energy then when you went in. For sure. All right, moving on to our next study, we have make sure you go in feeling powerful. Yeah, I love this one. Um, so a 2013 study by Lammers, Dubois, Rucker and Galinsky. So Galinsky's back again. Galinsky's done a lot of work. He's hasn't he? Damn Galinsky. Uh, two ex- so in two experiments, they basically, um, they were testing what the impact was of you feeling powerful or not powerful. Um, so they asked applicants to come in and either recall a time that they had power or recall a time that they lacked power. So I think they had to write about it in this example. Um, And then after that, they got them to either write a job application letter for a job description that they were given, um, or complete a 15-minute interview. And those interviews were then recorded. Um, And then they had independent people who didn't have any idea what the people had been previously doing or whether they were qualified or anything like that. They had them rate how likely they would be to give them the job. Um, And the people who had done the powerful reflection of a time that they felt powerful were much more likely um, to be preferred for the job by those um, independent um, analyzers. And what they also looked at was, you know, what ratings that particularly impacted. And what they found was that the judges... Um, said that those people who had done the power activity beforehand um, were more persuasive. Mm. So when they reflected on being powerful, a time in their life where they felt powerful, they were more persuasive in their application letter or in their interview and therefore they were more likely to be you know, thought of as better for the job. Incredible. This just amazes me because we, I think, overlook how powerful the brain is. Like... The body achieves what the mind believes. Literally, we don't – our brain is so amazing that we don't – we're not even aware. Like that would have happened on a subconscious level because you're just channeling powerful energy and on a subconscious level without even noticing, you're translating that to be more convincing and confident in an interview. Like that's insane. Like yeah. imagine and you've if, got the same qualifications. Yeah, and, you know that those people are randomly assigned, so it's not like they're more qualified or yeah. anything like that. It's literally coming down to what mindset they were in when they went in. Yeah, and also again, those people who wrote about not feeling powerful doesn't mean they haven't had times where they were powerful. Yeah, so but again, they've it's got like the if same you're, if experience. If you're dwelling on that right before, yeah. then that's where your mind's at. So. Um, I guess an amazing way to put this into action, this study, would be before you're writing applications or even an interview, reflect on the things that you are incredible at and that make you feel powerful and just get on a big rampage. Like just journal five pages of all the amazing, insane things you've done and then start writing it because you're tricking your brain into just being wired to be thinking about all the amazing strong powerful things you've been doing yeah or call up someone who will hype you up over the phone mm. beforehand um who can tell you how great you are you know yeah all of get, that get stuff is going to change your mindset pump your tires up mm. and fascinating to show that this research is like specifically in interview context yeah right? we love so that. yeah very relevant um this next one i love because i've actually done this and i'll talk about that in a minute but we have smile, but not too much. 
Tell us about this. Yeah. So this is a 2015 study by Reuben Hall and Schmidmast. So there's been lots of studies done on how um, kind of nonverbal communication can impact your, um, you know, the way that you come across and the way that you're going to be selected for an interview. And lots of people recommend smiling, right? Um, but this study kind of looked at the impact of people smiling on higher ability, in particular, depending on what job they were going for. So um, they randomly assigned people to be either an applicant or an interviewer. Um, and it was for a newspaper reporting job. So love that for me. Um, pre-test, I know, right? So pre-test kind of surveys that they'd done to do a little bit of background research showed that people thought that people who were, um, you know, newspaper journalists were quite serious and professional um, and less likely to smile potentially, right. take Rude, their job seriously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um and what they found was that smiling more in the interview was negatively related to hiring. So the more people smiled in the interview, the less the um, the raters thought that they were suited to that job because they mm. were smiling too much for a job of a newspaper it's like reporter. you can't be too perky sense? and happy and you've got to be hard and deadlines and H- hard hitting to get the truth, you know. Um yeah, so very interesting. But hiring was maximised when applicants smiled less in the middle of the interview compared to the beginning and the end. So it's mm. kind of like the beginning of the end, you're building yeah, you're rapport, friendly. but in the middle, you're, you're answering the questions, you're not smiling too much, you're being serious about the role. Um, yeah, very interesting. So what they did also is they filmed those responses and then they gave them to other people um, who were then told this person's going for a newspaper journalist job or this person's going for a different job and they had four different types of jobs. Um, the judges rated people more suitable for the job when they smiled less, but particularly when they were going for serious jobs. Mm. So I guess the takeaway here is that, um, you know, smiling more is really good, but you also don't want to have like an awkward smile or be smiling too much if the role that you're going for is something where um, – you need to be really taken seriously. So mm. if you were going for like a nursing job or, um, you know, something in the medical field that was quite serious, maybe you would want to, you know, or a lawyer job or something like that. What I wanted to say about my personal um, experience with this, I remember before my HSC um, year 12 final exams for anyone that's not in New South Wales, um, I was, you know, very studious, high achiever. That was my, I was going for gold and I was just doing so much research about how to nail exams and what you can do to not be nervous and I read some kind of study that um, it told me to walk through the threshold of the exam hall like before you even you know right getting at your seat like 20 meters before you're about to walk into the building put your shoulders as far back as you can and your head really high up in the air and like walk in like the cockiest person you've ever met like you are the king shit and put the biggest smile on your face because it tricks your body like by doing that body language mm. it tricks your mind into going oh we oh we feel good about this like we throw away yeah. the nervous energy we're feeling good look look at how our body's moving and honestly i think it worked i went in there s- sat down and felt so calm and ready and like it was just amazing and i used yeah. to get my friends to sing nursery rhymes with me outside the nurse outside the um exam hall and they always used to roll their eyes but it took away the weird nervous energy that you had building up and you'd Mm. like be singing and just getting it out yeah 
So um, I guess that's another point of how, you know, smiling and your body language can help mm. you you feel better but also help other people perceive you better within well, context. There's an there's another great one that's if you want to be in a better mood pretty quickly and improve your mood, Fake you laugh. put a pen you put a pen between your teeth. Really? And it kind of puts your mouth into this weird like smiley kind of thing. It's not really like a smile, but it's like your body yeah. kind of thinks it is. And so your brain kind of thinks that you're smiling and then it makes you happier. It's like Same energy the as... The smile doesn't necessarily cause the happiness. Sorry, the happiness doesn't necessarily cause the smile. It's kind of like the smile reinforces the happiness. Yeah. Same energy as my old yoga teacher, Penny, who I absolutely adored. She was like this 85-year-old woman that was just still so amazing and she, in every yoga session, we used to do yoga nidra and she would make us all stand up and then throw our <laughs> arms up in the air and like, ha, down into the ground. And then when we were dangling down into the ground, she'd make you all start fake laughing. And <laughs> because it's so awkward and you're in a room full of people and you're like, it starts off like, <laughs> but then there's a room full of awkward people and then everyone starts actually laughing like so soulfully. And she said the same thing. She's like, if you're ever sad, start fake laughing because your brain doesn't know mm. the difference between fake or authentic laughter. It just knows you're laughing and it will release the chemicals anyway. So like this whole conversation is just so fascinating to me because it's like yeah, we don't even know what we can tap into in our brain. Like we can trick it. And there's something coming up that's really relevant to this, but I won't get a- give it away yet. Okay, sure. So our next little bit of research we have is be careful how you talk about others. Yeah, I found this really fascinating and I don't think this is like common knowledge. So um, this is an area, like a whole area of research, uh, but it was really first published by uh, May Carlston and oh, I'm going to get this wrong, Skoronsky. There we go. Uh, in 1999. And it shows that people will associate the adjectives you use to describe other people. So say I'm in an interview and I'm talking about um, people at my last company, for example, or my old boss, and I'm calling them, you know, smart, intelligent, or I'm calling them a micromanager, um, toxic, you know, those kinds of things. People will associate the words you use with your personality, even though you're not talking about yourself. They, and this is all obviously on a words. subconscious level. They're not actively going, oh, that's right. She's horrible. It's, she must be horrible. That's right. And it gets even more interesting. So they call this phenomenon spontaneous trait transference. If you want to look it up, there's a whole area of research dedicated to this. So um, what's really interesting about this is that they found that this applies even when they know that that's not true. So say I'm interviewing with someone and they they went to school with me and I'm talking about um and I'm talking about someone in my interview and said, "Oh, look, they, you know, didn't really apply themselves in school. They're a bit lazy, things like that." They will apply those traits to me just because I talked about them, even, even though, though they, they know, know that I'm not lazy. You, they think you're great. Exactly. So it's an automatic association. It, it's not, like you said, it's not like a logical yeah. thinking through kind of thing. It's just you've used the words and now they're in my brain and you're in front of me and then that's Psychology how is happens. fascinating. Like it's almost annoying that that happens. Like why does the brain have to be this <laughs> like, ah. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, you know, when people gossip about someone else, it's like, you know, saying bad things about other people. It kind of makes you think badly of them a little yeah. bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, it says more about them than the people they're talking about, sort of. So I guess in an actionable way, a good tip here is ensure you're taking care when you're describing colleagues, former bosses, previous companies, and same energy as our like quitting your job episode. Like if you're talking about how you left, just Mm. icky situations. Um, Yeah, the adjectives that you use will unconsciously be associated with you. So while of course sometimes you'll need to talk about tricky things, like you can't just pretend things were great. Everyone's amazing. There's a gracious way to still describe that without throwing around a lot of bad adjectives. Yeah, exactly. I found that one so interesting. Yeah, that is fascinating. Um, mm, Spontaneous trait transference. Mm, There you go. All right, moving on to the pratfall effect. Sounds intriguing. Tell me more. It's got an interesting name, isn't it? Um, So this is uh, researcher Elliot Elliot Aronson at the University of Texas. So he kind of first discovered this phenomenon and it's been since um, researched uh, like more by other people as well. Um, So basically he looked into how simple mistakes can affect your likability, but in particular in someone that's really, really competent, how it can kind of humanize them. So he asked um, students to listen to a tape recording of people taking a quiz Um, So when people did really well on the quiz, but at the end they spilled their coffee, they, the students rated them higher for likability. They liked them more because they aced the quiz. They're obviously really smart, but they, then they spilled their coffee, Mm. you know, like, oh, oh, that's silly. Oh, we like them more. Right. Um, And they did better than when they did well on the quiz and they didn't spill their coffee. So they liked the people if they if both did well in the quiz and one spilled their coffee and one didn't they liked the one more who spilled their coffee. People, how do they come out come up with these experiments? <laughs> like, what a reach! <laughs> Perfect idea. <laughs> let's tech. Let's test knocking things over. Wow. Well, it's it's this idea that if someone is too perfect, yeah. They're kind of out of reach. And, yeah. You know, I mean, it makes perfect it, sense. Like when we see our favorite, like, you know, influencers or whatever, and they share something that's like super normal and like the everyday person, we're like, oh my God, love them. They're so real because they're not on a yes. pedestal that seems like we could never relate to them. Like, you know, those people that are good at everything and just annoy you and you're like, just be bad at something. And Same they have energy. a bad day and you're like, oh, I feel better now. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. So, but, um, the people who didn't do very well on the quiz and spilled coffee were the lowest. So mm. you have to be good at the quiz. Does that make sense? Yeah. If you're just like bad at the quiz and you spill your coffee, you're just like kind of useless at everything, right? So it's only in particular when you're really competent. Um, so research from the dating kind of world, this was um, a further experiment that they did, clarified that a uh, a blunder from a superior person, so someone that we think is really attractive, can have them regarded as more attractive, again, because it makes them kind of seem within reach and more human. Mm. But the same mistake from someone who's average will decrease their attractiveness to us in a dating context. So, again, you've got to make sure that you've got the competence ticked off first yeah. before you then You can't be in. going into a job interview, sucking at the interview and then falling over your chair. But if you nail the interview and then sort of stumble on your way out and you're like, oops, sorry, they'll probably be like, oh, bless her. Like, it's all good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So how do we make this actionable, Em? What do you reckon? So I think particularly if you're going for a role that you've done before, like maybe where you could be considered overqualified, 
Um, consider talking about a mistake or error that you've made and how you overcame it. You might come across more likable and human and they'll take yeah. you off that pedestal. I've actually heard of and so think- many people being too overqualified, like getting told they're too overqualified yes. and getting frustrated because they're like, why is that a concern for you? Like, I want this position. It, it, that should be for me to decide. Yes. So this is a good way to be, kind of front up and be like, I'm not perfect. Yeah. I've, exactly. I've had, made mistakes. Exactly. Particularly because you've already got that thing ticked off of being overqualified, right? So you've already got the skills. They know that you can do the job. You want to make yourself seem more human. You know, I'm not saying that maybe you knock your water over, but maybe you do it in a way of um, of um, talking about a mistake that you've made or, um, or something like that to, again, make yourself a bit more human. Mm, I love that. Now, this is our last little one today. Now, this is called the Ben Franklin effect. Why does that sound familiar? Who's Ben Franklin? He sounds important. Yeah, so um, Ben Franklin is a, a founding father, I think. I think he's like on some of the American money. Mm. US people will Yeah, have I to knew it. He us. sounded important. Anyway. I feel like he's on some of the money. He was an anyway, important dude so, who came up with an important concept. <laughs> yeah. So he, he kind of talked about um, this concept and this is a quote from him. Um, he said... He has that once done you a kindness will be more ready to do you another than he whom yourself have obliged. I feel like I'm back in year eight English reading Shakespeare. That's I know it's a bit old timey, right? He talks about this example where there was someone who on the other side of politics that he didn't really agree with. um, And instead of doing him a favor, he found that he asked the guy for a favor. I think he asked him to borrow a rare book. And the guy lent the book to him um, and then he noticed that afterwards they got along a lot better and he did him more favours and they ended up really quite close friends. So he kind of came up with this concept that someone doing you a favour makes them like you more. Kind of weird. We've talked about this before on the pod, I think, in interview We have. Um, Which, yeah, it seems a bit backwards because you think that, you know, they'd like you more if you're the one doing the favours. But it makes sense because, I mean, you get a feel-good feeling from helping people. Like it's natural. It Feeling mm. like someone's, A, come to you, meaning they obviously hold you to some kind yeah. of respect or high or think that you you have more knowledge or you're more resourceful to be able to carry out the favor. And again, all subconscious. They don't literally go, mm, wow, they asked me for a favor now. I love them. But just without even realizing they, they start yeah. to like you more. So it kind of flips this idea on its head of like we like someone and then we do them a favor. It's kind of we treat them well and then we like them. Mm. So basically the, the underpinnings for this is cognitive dissonance, which if you did, you know, Psych 101, you probably know what that is. Um, but I'll give you a bit of an example. So a 1971 study by Shopler and Compare um, had their students run a learning test. So they got their um, participants in and there was um, someone who was part of the study who was trying to do a learning test. And they, was, they said, okay, you've got to be the teacher and teach this person how to, I think, clap the sticks in a certain rhythm or something like that. It was, it was hard, you know, they made mistakes, all that kind of thing. So they were randomly assigned to one of two different conditions. So half of them so one group were told if they make a mistake give them criticism and point out their mistakes and criticize their performance the other group were told encourage them when they do things right 
and give them praise when they're, you know, picking it up, essentially. And then afterwards, those teachers or the participants were asked to say which students they liked the most. And they basically all were more likely to say that they liked the students that they'd praised. Hmm. They were randomly assigned to either praising or disciplining the students. And they all said at the end that they liked the ones more that they'd praised. So we treat someone well and then we like them more. So if you want someone to like you more, get them to do you a favour. Now you might be thinking, how on earth are we going to do this in the context of, you know, (laughs) I'm trying to get a job and you're like, hey, do me a favour, give me the job. No. A good actionable way for this one is ask for a glass of water at the beginning of your interview. Now, most Mm -hmm. of the times they'll probably offer or maybe have one and a lot of the time we say no because we're nervous and awkward and just, Mm. but say yes and then they have to do it, go and get it or, you know, hand it to you and subconsciously you've tricked them. It's a bit toxic. You've tricked them subconsciously into liking Exactly, exactly. Or, you know, can I have a tissue? Um, I don't know, ask for a small favour. Like, mm. put it out there. It's it's a little hack. And you're right, I think we did talk about this in the first impressions when I say people always say no to getting mm. a glass of water and I'm always like, why? You're going to need one. Like, just say yes. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think definitely a really good one. That one's probably a little bit more lo- more well-known, the ben-, ben Franklin effect. Um but definitely powerful cognitive dissonance there our brains don't don't know things they observe our behavior and then decide things so we kind of act first and work out why later mm. it's a bit backwards well i hope you guys found this super interesting um i personally am just more baffled at the power of my brain after this i feel like i'm gonna go read some books on <laughs> neurological psychology pathways or something but um you're gonna yeah you're gonna have a a career change suddenly to become a psychologist not a career change just a rabbit hole moment like probably (laughs) once a month I find a new rabbit hole recently my rabbit holes have been um bears I've started watching movies about bears and videos on how to survive (laughs) bear attacks and like I just want to know I just want to know everything about so what's your top tip how do you survive a bear attack Uh, apparently there's this like bear spray that if you live in Canada or Alaska you just have to carry um but I don't have the answers yet. I, I need to keep digging in case I ever come across yeah, a bear. There you go. Also, the other, the other fascination, a bit dark, but um, comas. I'm just, I just woke up like a fortnight ago and mm. I was like, what happens when you're in a coma? Like, note to self, research comas. Anyway, so <laughs> maybe the brain. <laughs> yeah, the you'll have to look up spontaneous trait transference because I think yeah. that one really blew your mind a little that. bit. So you'll have to research that a little bit. Well, I hope our listeners brains have been blown as much as mine and hopefully you can translate all of that you know crazy ancient psychology study into actionable practical practical that's not a word practical tips for being in your job search and not even yeah not even specifically job interviews just any time you've got a career moment that you need to channel some you know big powerful energy like, if, like if you're trying practice. to get a new colleague at work to like you more and you're like trying to break the ice with them, ask them for a favour. Mm. Hey, I could really use your help. Do you reckon you could, you know, do this for me? Could you proofread this? Could yeah. you send this email to me? Whatever. Collect my printing. They're going to like you more. Mm. It's going to work. Amazing. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back in your ears next week. 
Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, go ahead and click subscribe in Apple or follow on Spotify or better yet, tell someone you know about the podcast and how great it is. That's how we hit the charts so we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss. We've been your job search besties and helped you in some way. There's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.